Today we are here to worship Jesus and we're going to talk about our vision. We've actually, um, so this isn't new, it's only new in the sense of we're probably articulating it better than we've ever done before. We've put tons of work in this over recent years. Because um, <laughs> one of the things that we identified a couple of years back was uh, people perhaps weren't understanding or connecting to what it is we're really about or what is hope about. And so that's what this is about. It's a refresher for many, a uh, clarifier for some, and hopefully an inspiration for us as we look into this new year. And I know, I feel like we're walking in a strange time where we need a certain amount of time to, if you like, recover, process, even feel sad about what we've been through and deal with that. But if we lose sight of our vision, we, we could end up, and we need time to do that, all right? So I'm not dismissing that as a, a valid thing to do in such a difficult season that we've been in. But we can't lose sight of vision, otherwise the danger is you just end up feeling sad and not knowing where you're going or what it's all about. There is, there is purpose in the pain, and God wants to take us somewhere. So we have Vision 2022. <laughs> Gosh, tough, tough to get a whoop this morning, so thanks. I appreciate every single one. Um, the, uh, so Hope Church all started with this. Um, Teresa and I were moving our young family from Chester to Newcastle. And as we, virtually as we were loading things into the removal van, so we're moving from pastoring in one church to go to rescue a, a failing church plant a year old we were called to go and rescue that uh, the, the, the leader had managed to split within a year. So we were going to the north, to, to Newcastle-upon-Tyne. And, and as we were about to do this, at, at great cost to our family and, and, and inconvenience, a friend of ours, a trusted friend, gave us a scripture with the introduction, I don't think this is for this move, we think it's for your next one. And you're like, next one? <laughs> And it's this scripture. It says, The land the Lord your God you're going over to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water by the rain of heaven, a land that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. That's Deuteronomy 11, 11 to 12. So she gave us these verses and said, I believe it's for you, and I believe it's for the place you're going to after this place you're just about to move. All your kids and family, sell your dream home. There's going to be another one. And, and we tried desperately hard to make it fit Newcastle, but it really doesn't. And then come 20, 2000, early 2002, late 2001, God started to speak to us about Scotland. Doesn't half fit, doesn't it? both topographically and prophetically. So we felt called to come to a land that was ready to drink the rain of heaven, a land specifically that the God is watching and that he loves 24-7, 365. And so we came, and so the mission of this church is really shaped by that. So we have this thing called our mission statement, which you will have seen. And uh, it's really rooted in this, this call to see the Holy Spirit work powerfully in this nation. So hope exists. 
to carry God's presence to transform Scotland and beyond. And, and being us, we did some research before we came because we were once again uh, bringing, you know, you know, changing our family circumstances, upheaval, selling, selling our dream home second time around, um, interrupting children's education, etc., etc. And what we discovered about the recent church history of Scotland was that from pretty much the 60s through to the early 2000s, it hadn't been terribly receptive to the moves of God that had happened in recent church history that had hit the UK in general. So whether it was the charismatic renewal, the new church movement, John Wimber and, 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 and all of that, uh, the, the 94 outpouring Toronto, uh, it kind of hit Scotland but kind of bounced off. So we were like aware that our commission was to really be, be on it for the move of God and really provide a place and create a space where that could happen uninterrupted and actually what God wanted to do wouldn't bounce off the nation but would flood the nation, all right? So that's kind of rooted in our, our DNA, as it were, from the beginning. So the mission of hope is to carry the presence of God to transform Scotland and beyond. Now, that is wonderful big picture. I love big picture. I live in big picture. But actually, over the years, God's given us numerous prophetic words that have started to give us a sense of vision. So, describing what that looks like and what we are supposed to do. So, our, our vision statement is kind of wordy, the one on the left. We will shape the today and that one. It's kind of trying to say something, but what we did was we broke it down into eight different sections, which we're going to look at this morning. Family equipping, mercy, salvation, apostolic resource, supernatural creativity, and business. We have a vision for all of those things rooted in prophetic words that God has spoken to us over, <clears throat> over time. And so we, we were bringing to you today a refresher, a reminder, so that it's not new, and a clarification of what God has called us to do. Uh, and, and, and here we go. And uh, some of the things that we're going to look at, we will be talking about more in the weeks to come. So this is a, an overview. And some of the things we feel like we're going to press the pedal on this year more than others. But this is our vision, okay? This is what carrying the presence of God to transform Scotland looks like for hope. And the other point about vision is it's not all there yet. The point of vision is it's a direction of travel, it's aspirational, it's faith-based, there's more to be done, okay? Everybody happy so far? Woohoo! right. And I've put it into two sections, so if you flip it up, the first few things that we're going to look at, are, I feel like the things you'd expect most healthy churches to have a vision for, that's part A, and if I remember to talk about it, part B are, if you like, Things that are quite unique to us, certainly in current Christian thinking. So what I find is people come to hope and they expect us to have a vision for part A, but they're surprised by our vision for part B and don't always understand it. So you'll understand as we go. But God's spoken to us about the whole thing. So the first bit is we have a vision to create family. And we, we, we work really hard at coming up because family means so many different things to different people and I can't spend a lot of time on this. But this is what we mean. It's welcoming, it's investing in young and, and valuing the young and the old. It's creating an environment of counsel, care and challenge. 
It's being secure in our strengths and weaknesses. It's embracing community and our place within it. It's enjoying freedom to be who God's called us to be. It's demonstrating healthy family dynamics. In our history, we've called that a culture of honor quite often, but that's trying to make it specific, less jargony. And beloved, you can't do it at home on your sofa. And the, 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 the COVID thing has really clobbered this family deal. And in time, I think we're going to have to revisit this because where you end up with all that we've been through is you don't know who's in the family and who isn't. Not for any bad thing, but at some point we're going to have to clarify who's family, who's building with us, who's, who's on the journey, yeah? There's been, people have had to shield, people have been unwell. I know it's already happening today, I know people are unwell, shielding. At some point these restrictions will lift and we can find who family is again. So that's, that, that's a really big part of who we are. We're called to be family, and it's not the responsibility of just the leaders to do family, it's everybody you know, everybody has a role to play, and this isn't the time for a whole message on the thing. It's everybody's responsibility to take that responsibility. And a major practical way that we do family is small group. And that is because some of the things on that list don't happen in a bigger Sunday meeting. They have to find a smaller con- context. And another thing we're doing about our f- passion for family and our children is we took an offering last year and we're seeking to recruit a children's leader, family, pastor. That's, we're still looking for that. Thanks so much for that, that offering. So we're doing stuff to promote family this year, which is continuing with our great small groups and uh, getting someone in to help us lead our children's ministry and to lead our children's ministry. Okay, the next thing that we've got a vision for is equipping. And this means, it's, it's like, teaching but it's not just so you know stuff it's so you're equipped to to be transformed so people being shaped by scripture transformed by truth cultivating lives that demonstrate the power of God big theme for us helping people grow in their God-given potential as healthy individuals I just want to point up one there releasing agents of change and reformers into their sphere of influence that's been a big emphasis of ours for years rather than We've not had lots of hope projects. Our project has kind of been you and empowering you and equipping you to make a difference where you work, where you teach, where you study, because we want to see a community, a nation transformed, and that means you and I have to do it wherever we've got a sphere of influence. All right, it's our family life. So that's been a big emphasis and will continue to be an emphasis of our equipping as we go through and we've done things like Sunday teaching. We've done things like Hope School of Supernatural Life has been an equipping track. Uh, during COVID, I did a leadership training called HOLA, Hope Online Leadership Academy, which I'm sure we'll revisit. It just had a, it wasn't in Spanish, for those of you who know. And uh, <laughs> we now have podcasts. They're there to equip you and encourage you. Um, and coming up, we've got a team working on, and you'll hear about this, this month is we have a, a, a discipleship program is going to start to be rolled out in hope to help this become an increasing reality in people's lives. We have vision for that that's coming. More details coming to you soon. Okay, the next thing, mercy. It's only got one line, but it doesn't mean it's not important. 
loving serving, having compassion on the marginalized. Again, this year we feel it's time to have our own project in this area. And there's a team been thinking and working on that. So you're going to be hearing more about that this month as well. Our approach to this point is let's not reinvent the wheel. There's so many great projects like this. So we're not like everything has to be hope, hope branded. You know, if it's the mercy ministry and it's not got hope, then it isn't as good as if it had got hope on it. We've encouraged people to involve in things like city mission and so on because we have a heart for it, but it doesn't mean we have to have our own project to make it meaningful. And many people have done that kind of thing. We give to that. We have people involved in that. Praise God. That counts. That's the kingdom of God being expressed. But uh, Salvation is our next one. So we have always had a vision for seeing multiple people saved. And... <clears throat> There's something about, there's a word over us about creating a community that shows who God really is, that actually the soil, the environment, would mean people get saved. I, I don't think we've fully seen that yet, but it's still on the cards. We've got, we, we need to grow in our courage to share our faith, demonstrate the authentic gospel of love and power, introducing many to Jesus. That's what we mean by salvation. Uh, last year, even in lockdown, we did a couple of online alphas people came to faith they were really exciting some of them are, two of them are in our small groups already so there's plans afoot for the year ahead salvation is coming to this house amen all right so that was <laughs> that was part one you'd expect a healthy church to be equipping people doing family having mercy salvation yeah we have a vision for that and, and people who come to hope kind of hope and expect that we do so we do but the truth is we probably talked more about the next bit because these are like our special things it's really and, and are not entirely unique to us but remember why we're here is to transform Scotland through the presence of God so it, it's pouring out being at the end of if you like the outpouring of the spirit but pouring that out into a nation that in recent years has been a little bit resistant to it and that's not a theory the first week we were in this building as our Sunday meeting and the pews were still in I took the mic to lead a section of the in the worship time and as I took the mic this has never happened to me before a demon appeared appeared in front of me literally so I could see it with my eyes you couldn't see it but I could and said to me, what are you doing here in this place? Obviously felt a sense of ownership and authority in this place. What are you doing here? And I said, well, I have authority in this place now, and you need to go because we're bringing Holy Spirit into this building. And I think Mark was leading worship, and he was looking at me a bit strange because we were singing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And I said, sing it again. <laughs> And then he's like, is that enough? No, again. <laughs> All right, so here's, here's some uh, other aspects of our vision. Number, whatever we are, apostolic resources, where we're up to. Trying to find the right name for this is difficult. Now, some of these I'm going to refer to as quickly as I can. The prophecies that fuel the vision, All right. There are prophecies for all the things we've already covered, 
but then they're a little bit more normal, so because of time, I haven't dug into them. Is that okay? But here, I'm just going to give you a few headings because we're trying to do what God's given us to do. We're not making this up because we don't have anything to do, all right? We, we, it's like, what should we do? Let's think of something to do. Let's do something really weird like be an apostolic resource. No, no, God's spoken to us at least three times about this. Julian Adams, 2013, said we're called to be an apostolic incubating base and that he declared that it was the end of a pastoral wineskin and the beginning of an apostolic prophetic one. And the first few visionary items I just covered would fit in what would be known as, as a pastoral wineskin. Ever since, we've been trying to build an apostolic prophetic one, but lots of people who are familiar with the first section find it uncomfortable because they think, well, that's what church is, and actually that isn't all that church is. So this is also what church is. And the, <clears throat> there's an amazing word that says, what the enemy had used for bad, I will use for good and my glory, and I'll use you in this nation. I'll use Glasgow in this nation to affect Britain as a huge apostolic prophetic pool that will reach across Europe. And on it goes, I see Glasgow as an apostolic base for your movement, an apostolic base for things wider than church. I see you going into the Church of England. This was an English person prophesying this, so I think that's why Church of England got put in there. Uh, a Catholic church, you are to be an apostolic base that will be larger than any other movement, and I will bring unity that will change this nation and it will change Scotland. Whew! That's kind of been sitting in our DNA and, and, and a challenge to us pretty much from the day we started. So if you could do the next slide, Joe. Joe, by the way, volunteered to do this today because we didn't have... Whoop, whoop. Um, <clears throat> this looks like... This needs a bit more work, but the kind of thing that being that looks like is planting churches, supporting leaders of other churches, other churches, believers, building cross-denominational links. If you listen to the prophecy, it's about unity. It's about unity and connection, taking the gospel to other nations. Now, actually, this church has done some or all of that from the very beginning. Even when we were a teeny tiny group of people, we were helping plant three other churches in Scotland. There are at least four other churches in Scotland that are there because this church helped them be there. A lot of it is in, in the early doors. But then we started to host conferences. We did it with Terry Virgo. We did it with Danny Silk. We co conferenced for the nation and invited key people who are going to bring something of the spirit and something of freedom so that literally hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of people across Central Belt and all of Scotland have encountered God through conferences that we ran. Uh, we ran our school, which is currently parked because of COVID, Hope School of Supernatural Life. People came from as far north as uh, Inverness, as far east as, uh, as Edinburgh, and as far south as, as uh, Carlisle, so England, um, and as far west as right out on Mull of Kintyre, I forget what it's called, Campbelltown, is it? Yeah. It's amazing. People would travel. Dundee. Some people came from Dundee for years. Literally, there's over 250 people we've equipped through, through that means. So we've always had this wider thing, and we were part of New Frontiers, so we promoted that community. 
wider. We were part of global legacy. We promoted that wider. And that's morphed into kingdom legacy, which probably more than ever, we're involved with six different denominations across 44 different leaders. We're actually connecting and fulfilling some of that prophetic word right now that's happening across denominationally, supporting leaders, etc. So it's a big part of who we've been and who we are. And I'm sure that there is more to come. And it's the conviction is the whole nation needs to drink the rain of heaven, not just Hope Church. The whole nation needs to be changed. We can't do it on our own. So let's find like-hearted and like-minded people to partner with and support them and they support us. Yeah? Okay. The supernatural. Come on. Right, 2006, really like just getting going as a church. A prophet friend of mine flew through, came amongst us, then on the aeroplane on the way home, looking over Glasgow said, this church is called to be characterized by 1 Corinthians 14, 24 to 25. Supernatural will be manifest constantly. This will be demonstrated through powerful spiritual gifts. Many parts of the church will contribute. And that's been us in some form or other. We have, I, I lost count years ago. I, started to, I counted all the healings we'd seen. But when it, I was documenting them, when it got to 300, I just ran out of paper and time. Uh, and this is years ago. We've seen many since, whether it's online or whatever. And so what does supernatural look like? Again, we're trying to find words so that it means something. It, mean, it means that all of us hearing God for ourselves. It means seeing God meet God, and seeing people meet God and be changed. God meets God and he's still God. Carrying God wherever we go. Seeing the incurable cured. We've seen some incurable cured. Yes, thank you, God. We've seen Crohn's disease. We've seen pancreatic cancer. We've seen legs grow. We've seen eyesight restored. We've seen amazing stuff, and we're not there yet. There's more to see. Uh, influencing the heart of God to influence outcomes in the world. This will all get posted up on the website, the Facebook page. It will happen. It will happen at some point, yada, yada. And so you'll be able to reference all of this stuff um, so you can get your head around it a little bit more. Oh, Jesus, help me. <clears throat> so the supernatural can't be a place that hosts, welcomes, carries the presence of God and not prophesy, heal the sick, see visions, angels showing up in your prayer meetings. That's part of, of who we are, not who we've been or who we will be. It's part of who we are. I think one of the effects of COVID has been it kind of shrinks you into a bit of a corner. And that was one of the reasons that I started and then a team joined me. We started praying online because like, no, this is who we're called to be. Even in lockdown, we're going to find a way of prophesying over people and healing the sick. And we did. So this morning, we, I want to pray for you. Teresa wants to pray for you. There'll be others probably help us. I want to pray for you at, at the end. If you need healing, if you need a prophetic word, if you just need an encounter with God, I want to pray for you because we are a supernatural people and we've seen it and we're living it and we're going to live it more in 2022. In fact, I felt in worship that there was somebody here with an issue with the, it's like the top of their knee, bottom of their thigh in the right leg. Does that fit you? Then I'd love to pray. But whatever, I'd love to pray with you. You don't need to have a word of knowledge to get prayer. So, 
supernatural. And next one, creativity. This kind of came to us because we emphasize the idea of freedom, that we want to make us be a people that are demonstrating the beauty of God. We're trendsetters. You know, we're not just in a box. Like, this is what our denominational says. This is what, this is what our denomination says. This is what we've been told. No, we're actually in a place where we have the freedom to create. And that way, if we can think like that, we will be people who bring creative solutions into the world we live in, into real situations that we face, because boy, do we need them. That, that we are salt and light, and that isn't just by being there, it's by bringing God's creative solutions into our environments. Um, and finally, and I think somewhat unusually, is business. So we had a prophetic word, and, and I'm not going to read through it for time, but not many churches have a vision for business. I don't know whether it's because they're scared of money or they don't understand it, but actually one of the big ways that society is shaped is through business and economics. Massive, massive influence on our world and how it works and how it ticks. And so God spoke to us about this and about supporting businessmen and even training businessmen up. And so it, it, well, we tried to define it as generating an environment where entrepreneurs and business leaders flourish Equipping people and organizations with values and skills for success. Investing in influencers, they change the business landscape of the city. And we have quite a few entrepreneurial business people already in hope. And we want to see them flourish and influence the spheres that they are in. And we also need to be comfortable with, that means a church that is comfortable with people that make a lot of money. Otherwise, you're not really successful in business I just want to put it out there so the, the the posture of church life has to change I'm not saying you guys but generally church life's attitude to money and people who make a lot of money is not always that great and people come into an environment like a church and don't feel welcome because they feel that we're suspicious of them like well how, did, how come you showed up in your milk you, or, or, or whatever or your Audi, for that matter. Um, that, that, that can't be in the environment. You have to be able to honor business people as much as people who are working with the poor, etc., etc., etc. All right, so I'm going to close my section with a challenge. The land, what God told Teresa and I in 1991 was that the land of Scotland is ready for a drink. And not what they were all doing or wanted to do on New Year's Eve. It's ready for the real drink of the Holy Spirit and it can drink the rain of heaven. The land of Scotland wants a drink and it's ready for a drink. We have a responsibility to pour that out. I believe it comes through the church, through the family of God. Of course, God can do sovereign things, but fundamentally, we have a responsibility to pour out what he's poured in to us. So someone needs to stand up 
and face the demons that say, what are you doing here? And say, we have authority to bring the presence of God in this place. Whether it's a church or a business or a street, we have authority to bring the presence of God and that we will keep going against the resistance and against the misunderstandings that that brings, because it does. Because lots of people who are doing church want family, want teaching, want to do a bit of evangelism, but stretching into the realm of supernatural is a stretch. But that's what we're here to do, and we're convinced that that is what actually can change a nation. Because... A man with an argument is always at the mercy of a man or woman with an experience. And if you can give someone an experience, you can overturn their argument. That's why we're trying to do this, guys. To see a change in nation. So, Jesus is just going to spend a couple of minutes telling you how we got here. Like, literally. You ready? And then we'd love to pray with you. Uh, anybody who needs prayer, wants prayer for anything, we're going to be right here. Come and get some prayer <coughs> well, once the kids are coming back in. Okay? Let's pour out the Spirit to change a nation. One day soon, one day soon we'll be able to gather and worship and we won't need to wear these. Won't that be a wonderful, wonderful day? There will be shouts that you'll hear outside from each of us as we let rip. Um, I, but isn't it sweet just to worship? Superb. Bear with me a second. Um, I'm going to give you a very, very brief edited highlights of what I was going to speak on. And what I will do is I'll do a podcast and I'll video it so it can go on the Facebook page so you can get something in more detail. And I apologise if it's a bit cobbled together because um, I'm going to shorten it. So... That verse Andy read in Deuteronomy, the land you're crossing the Jordan to take possession of is a land that mount, of mountains and valleys that drinks, oh bear with me, my phone's timed out, that drinks rain from heaven. It's a land that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it. So the eyes of the Lord our God are continually on Scotland from the beginning of the year to the end. That is a great declaration for us all to declare over our wonderful city and over Scotland. The eyes of the Lord, our God, are continually on Scotland from the beginning of the year to its end. So if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today, to love the Lord your God, to serve him with all your heart and all your soul, and he goes on to say about how fruitful it will be. The rain from heaven will pour down on it which for us is no big deal. But if you live in a desert like the Israelites did, having rain on a regular basis was incredibly important. So I'm going to tell you a very brief story. Oh, very brief. Um, so God's talking to the church at large about church planting. 
me, I'm not taking a blind bit of notice because I have already moved to church plant and I have no intentions at all ever again doing it. Me and God have this deep discussion one morning where I give him my 20-page dossier that's in my head of all the reasons that he clearly has not thought about this, all the implications that he's not considered, and all the personal costs that it will cost me and my family if we move again from Newcastle to anywhere else. Um, God's very good with me in those discussions. He's usually quite quiet, but kind. And he listens as I rattle through all my things that I think he clearly hasn't considered and taken into account. Time passes. Don't give it another thought because the place is closed as far as I'm concerned. I don't know now whether it's months or it could even be years later. I'm sitting there reading my Bible, completely immersed in this Bible story, which I recommend if you're reading your Bible, put yourself in the story. You'll get so much out of it. And uh, I'm reading about God's people. So um, most of you are mature Christians, so you know about them being prisoners in Egypt for 400 years. That verse Andy spoke about and the one I just read was one of the original words God gave God's people. And in the Old Testament, God's kingdom was geographic and it was restricted to one country and it was restricted to one people group, the Israelites. And the story that I'm going to refer to is from that. In the New Testament, when Jesus came, it was a completely game-changing moment. He changed everything so that he could fulfill God's original plan, which was to include all nations and all people groups in his kingdom, and it is no longer geographic. Praise the Lord, or else we as Gentiles would not be included. So, God's speaking about church planting. I'm going, da, 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 da. And I'm reading this story about the spies. They go, they've come out of Egypt miraculously. They have seen God do incredible things, the 10 plagues. They have literally seen a sea pile up on either side of them and walk through it. Then they've turned around and they've watched their enemies drown as the walls of that sea land on them, including chariots, which goes to show how deep it must have been. Uh, they come out into the land, and now they are going to spy out the land that God spoke to them about. Those verses in Deuteronomy, they send out 12 of their best men. They go out and spy the land. They come back, and they say, it's not going to work. Uh, Ten of the spies say, let me check the time. Oof. They say, it's not going to work. They said, um, the land we went in and spying out is a land that devours its inhabitants. All the people we saw in it were men of great stature. That was a slight exaggeration. They came across one tribe of people who were of great stature. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Interesting the way you perceive yourself, isn't it? The way they saw themselves as grasshoppers influenced how they perceived the situation and how other people perceive them, uh, which is a point for another day. Uh, there were two spies disagreed. They said, no, 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 the Lord delights in us. He'll bring us into this land and he'll give it to us. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. 
We have got nothing to fear. Don't fear the people. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Don't fear them. Anyway, they didn't take a blind bit notice of these two spies, and they decided it was a great idea to stone Moses, Aaron, and these two spies just to remove these annoying, pesky people who were asking him to do something really difficult that they didn't really fancy doing. <laughs> How much of being a leader is walking through situations like that? That's all I've got to say. Um, and as I'm reading this story, I'm like, wow, that's just like me. That is basically all my arguments of to Daddy God about church planting. Because all my arguments, it, these were facts. They weren't, I wasn't being a drama queen, which I can be from time to time. Uh, I had four children in the middle of O-levels, GCSEs, all going through an English curriculum um, and if we moved, it would mean just moving them from that into a different educational system and a different curriculum, which is not common sense, never mind. It's just crazy to consider doing that. The other thing that would be, uh, hold on, let me see. So that would be one thing. The other thing was that we were in a good church that we'd built. It had got a great youth work. My children then were 11, 13, 15, and 17. And it would have meant moving them from that to nothing because we were going to church plant. Bad idea. Those are really formative ages. They need to be part of a Christian community and have lots of people that they admire as peers and aspire to. Bad idea on that front. There was another couple of ideas that I can't remember now, points that I had. But what I realized as I read this story, I was like, you know what? God has been so good to me. I mean, I am a billionaire when it comes to the blessings of God in terms of the people that I've worked with over the many, many years, the giants in God that I've known and walked with, the caliber of the people that God's brought to Hope Church and other churches that we've led has been astounding, actually. And even now, I find myself surrounded by amazing leaders, both in Hope, but also in Kingdom Legacy. And that has been one of the great privileges of my life, it has to say, just to walk alongside some of these giants in God that are in this room and in other places. But the very riches, the family, the children, the job, the blessings of God that God's poured into my life can be the very excuse for not obeying the next thing God's asking you to do. For not, if you're like me, for not even being open to entertaining the idea, never mind progressing it more than that. And I just realized, gosh, the very blessings God's given me, I can use next, as an excuse for not obeying the next thing he's asking me to do. My mum and dad tried to provide for us as best they could, but most of my parenting skill was taught by Daddy God and by all these wonderful families in the church. She's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about the church, because being part of the church actually has changed my life at a deep, fundamental level and continues to do so. 
but I can use that very skill set that God has given me as an excuse for not obeying God for the new challenge you might want to bring to my way. I also had forgotten, and as parents, can I just encourage you not to forget this, because it will be a source of great hope and faith in your life. God is a better parent to your children than you will ever be. He pre-knew them before creation. He has a destiny and a plan for their lives, and he has guaranteed to look after your children forever. And somehow, in the busyness of life, I'd forgotten that. It was really good to remember. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're a much better parent than I am. Um, and the other thing I learned was I have to let my children walk their own walk of courageous faith. I cannot do it for them, and I mustn't, actually. With all the best it will in the world, my children have to walk their own walk with faith in God and see him be with them as they walk through different difficult situations. Um, but the prayer of a righteous woman and man is powerful and effective. So don't stop praying. But... You know, you, there have to be times when you just got to wa watch them walk on stormy seas and think, I hope that water firms up underneath their feet. <laughs> and it does. Um, so that's some of the story. So we did move to Glasgow. I would love to say it was great. It was blessed. It was so easy when we turned up here. It was a doddle. That would be a complete and utter lie. It was really difficult, and I have to give credit to my amazing four children because we couldn't have moved if they hadn't been courageous and in faith to move with us. Um, it, they were astounding. Um, those are some of the points that I wanted to bring to you that are relevant. So don't let the things God's given you stop you from even being open for any challenge that he might be putting before you. Our chief role and purpose is to obey him, no matter what it costs and no matter what others think. Even as parents, the best gift we can give our kids is to walk courageously in faith. And uh, I think that's an excellent note to end on. <laughs> trees a chance to to share more of that um, but I think what really hit her and us was we could come up with all these reasons but actually when you don't move forward with God you end up wandering around in the wilderness with your kids rather than moving forward into what he promised so that's how we ended up here guys amazing